Welcome to Belmont Banter, the official podcast of Whitstable Town FC. Every week we chat to ex-players, supporters and invited guests here on Belmont Banter. Welcome to the official podcast of Whitstable Town FC. Whitstable Town Football Club's main sponsor is Fibertech UK Limited. Hello again everyone and welcome to Belmont Banter and this week we've got, uh, well, someone that I really admire as a football player. I've seen him uh, run around the green grass of Belmont but I don't know a lot about his history before or after the Belmont so we'll be finding that out and it's uh, Jimmy Strouts. Hi Jimmy, how are you doing? Hello Tony and thank you very much for inviting me on, very much appreciated. Well I could say that it's peer pressure because so many people have said to me, get Jimmy Strouts on, get Jimmy Strouts on. Why isn't Jimmy on? So this is this is a request that's been granted by everybody. So where did it all start for you, Jim? Uh, where did it start for, for me? Oh, I'm, I'm a North Kent boy and my first kind of real football time was in the Cubs when I was probably seven or eight, maybe something like that. And a little bit with the with the village school I went to, which was in Selling, and the Cubs were in Southwich. I can't really remember much from those days, apart from being ferried around, obviously, by my mum and dad and my two brothers coming along as well. But uh, that's where it kind of really started. Yeah, from there, it just started to progress, I suppose. Didn't really have a, didn't really have a, a boyhood team until we moved from Selling to, um, to Sittingbourne. But just before we moved, just before we moved, we there was a couple of times when the team that I ended up playing for came over to Selling to just to play a kind of a couple of friendlies with some local teams, I suppose, in the area. But uh, yeah, I suppose that was when I was around maybe 10, 11 years old. You mentioned two brothers. Were they interested in football? They like football, but they are not as interested as uh, as I was back then and and still are, really. One was left-footed and one really didn't didn't take it up as as I did so um, it was uh, yeah it was it was me just really out of the out of the three of us it's always good if one sort of like feels it's his his thing and he just does it that's really good yeah I mean they 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 uh they had far more far more things on their on their mind than uh than playing football I suppose they were they were um, they were more focused on their education let's put it that way (laughs) (laughs) yours yours came later (laughs) yeah yeah that's yeah we'll get we'll get to that you had your football education and then stuff follows. You were still in Selinge and you still weren't really playing for a, a team properly apart from the Cubs then? Yeah, no, it was, it was, it was like I say, literally Cubs and um, and the village school. It wasn't Selinge, it was um, it was Selling just outside Faversham. But yeah, so we, we, we lived there for, must have been about four or five years and then we moved to Sittingbourne and then that's where the kind of the football side of it really started to... Um, to kick off really excuse the pun <laughs> yeah um, where was their ground uh, situated then i played for a team called swale magpies which then moved into sittingbourne youth sittingbourne united and they and at the time we we had a we had a ground over at kemsley and a pitch over that way which is now i think a housing estate and then obviously the the Sittingbourne ground that we played at, the ball ground, we, is now, I think, is it Sainsbury's or Tesco's? I'm not too sure. Yeah, because that's, was that reason, reasonably near the, the railway station? It was, it was central in town, really, up, 
up by the um, up by Borden Grammar School. I know, yeah. Uh, and Sittingbourne, I think it was. I'm not too sure what the club was there actually across the road on Remembrance. Yeah, no, it was yeah, it was smack bang in the centre of town. Really, it was perfect for um, for everyone to come and watch a game. I suppose Saturday afternoon or an evening game. But uh, we didn't really play there until we were under, I suppose, under 15s, under 16s, maybe. So most of our games were played over at this field over in Kemsley, which we took on and we stripped back. It was all overgrown. They put in a couple of containers to house the goals and we built the team from there, really. We had a fairly decent decent side, to be fair. I remember a guy called Donald Atwoods, Paul DeBoos, Grant Manser few other no I can't really can't remember all of them to be fair apologies to to everyone that did play on that side but it was a it was a good side very good side so that was officially um sitting balls under 15s then yeah it would have been back then 19 that would have been 1985 86 maybe something like that yes it was it yeah it was a good side I mean now that I look back on everything about football really it wasn't what you would expect nowadays you know it was all about it was, I'm very much more focused on from a from a from being like, from playing to where I to, to where I was back then to where I am now is kind of chalk and cheese it was all about winning and you know getting as many goals as we possibly can and you know and there's no disrespect to the to the to the guy that kind of to that run it and everything and you know put in all the, the time and effort um, that he did to give us the, the games and and to be able to play, but it, it was very much focused about, you know, the winning rather than the technical ability and learning and developing that it is nowadays. Yeah, I'm very much my my sort of era and before was, you know, this now with the academies, they, uh, I mean, it's it's incredible, isn't it? The facilities, the way they're coached now, quite amazing. Yeah, some of the some of the you know some of the kind of facilities that people have got and the and the coaches that are available, like you say, are. It is amazing and, you know, very much outstanding, really, with some of the, you know, some of the kind of techniques and um, the coaching kind of aspects that they bring each individual is 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 spot on. I'm forever watching and learning from people. And, I, you know, I just love being out there coaching now. You know, we've, we've sort of digressed slightly, but... Yeah, sorry, yeah. No, it's all right. You're hinting that you, you that's your, your life now. You're still involved in football. Yeah, I still do, still do a, a little bit um, for Canterbury Youth, you know, and taking some boys that I've been coaching since they were probably five, six years old, um, and they're still with us now. So yeah, it's been that's been a, a another part of the journey, really. And you know, that's not just been me; that's been the support of Mr. Keir that you've probably had on already, yeah. Andy Keir, and uh, and a guy called Matt Pitchikaran that's really helped in the in the background and organizing everything and allowed me to kind of you know focus on you know the coaching aspects of developing the kids and making sure that they're having a, a good time while getting a bit of fresh air and um, kicking a ball around some grass somewhere you've mentioned a name there Andy Keir now Andy to, Andy to me has always been the quiet man at the back of the room He's never hmm. been the guy he's no seriously that's the the impression we've got around around the club of him He's ne never been one to push himself forward. He's sort of like Mr. Reliable. Yeah. He turns up on time. He does the job. And boy, goodness me, what a career he's had as well. Yeah, no, he's 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 done well. I'm, you know, like you say, and I do agree, I think he probably could have done a little bit 
little bit more to be fair but um yeah. it is different you know football is a it's very fickle it's right place right time and you know how much you you enjoy that where you are and what you're doing and whether or not you know you do want to give the, a, another step to it you know and it is a big it's a big ask whatever level you you know decide to play at and the level you want to push yourself to those are the kind of things that never never really get spoken about I suppose and um you know you only find out as you gradually climb up the ladder of how difficult it it is off the field really on the field it probably just come natural to to all players and uh, I think you know if you ask any player whether they're playing in the World Cup or for a, for a Sunday team in, in any part of the season once you step over the kind of the white line and you you're focused in what you want to do and what you're doing for, as an individual and for the team it kind of everything else becomes irrelevant really yeah. you know it's it is it's obviously there you know two people watching on the Sunday afternoon or, you know, a hundred thousand in, in a, in a stadium in Brazil, maybe it, it, for me, that's how I see it. I mean, I may be wrong, but um, everyone's got their opinion. One of the things that always has amazed me, and I only had a very, very short spell of it because by the time I was 18, I had water on the knee and that was it. My football career was gone. But talking to a lot of the lads and when they've sort of opened up a bit more about, let's say the emotional side of it, the camaraderie side of it, team side of it and the dressing room side of it there's so much within that sort of concept that either drives you on you you let that go or you embrace it or what i'm trying to say is that there are lots of distractions other than what's on the pitch that inhibit a lot of people from progressing they may not be a very strong person mentally within the confines of the dressing room but on the pitch they're a leader you know, it's, it's really... Yeah, oh, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's interesting. You talk about, you know, having water on the knee. Another player that I kind of started when I was a kid was a guy called Steve Stephen Fletcher, Steve Fletcher. And, um, in fact, you know, Mark Seeger was, was around at that time as well, playing for another team in that Sunday league. I forget what they were called now. They played out of Tenham. But they were the kind of, you know, the outstanding players within that kind of age group and another guy um, Chippy Carpenter played around that time as well when we were all kids you know there was some good players around but to to talk about injuries for example Steve Fletcher ended up having the best part of I don't know maybe six or seven injections into his knee so that he could, he could keep on playing he was at West Ham for a little bit as well I think he stopped playing in the end around about 19 just because the the pressure on his actual body was was you know, far too much, you know, yeah. too many injections and it, yeah, it's, it's very much a, a mental thing, but I think as well, the body does end up saying to you that, you know, this is, this is it, especially at kind of the standards you want to start to get to and whether or not you can make it, you know, we all think we can still go out running around and kicking a ball around, but um, yeah, I'm afraid it does catch up with us all in the end, whether you're, you know, 16, 17, 18 or, or 49, 50, it, and it, it, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's like, a, yeah, it's it's just a, it's a, it's a strange, it is a strange one, and um, I'm just grateful for everything that I was able to do in 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 my football career, and um, you know what I'm able to do at the moment. So it's it's more about kind of for me, you know, giving back to the local community, and and if I get opportunities to travel with it, then you know I I take them as 
as quickly as I can. And I've been lucky to be able to do that over the over the last, you know, the, the years that I've been involved in football. Whitstable Town Football Club's main sponsor is Fibertech UK Limited. Going back to early days again, I know you just touched on uh, school football and the different guys you played with, um, sort of like junior level. When did you get the first sort of inkling that you were going to be good enough or you had enough desire to go that one step further? I don't think it's about, personally, I don't, it's not about being good enough. I, I, I do think it is just all about desire. Um, I was never, never ever would port to be the most graceful of players. I, 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 you know, I had bags of wanting to, to do well and um, I never played for the school team first team I was I was too small so when I left when I left school I was as I say when I was back you know living living in selling and you know I'd either be wearing a, a football kit one day kicking the ball around in the back garden or I'd be throwing on a, some kind of army uniform of some sort and rolling around in in the grass pretending to be a soldier but um, you know I, I, I left school left school at 16 and joined the army and it kind of just went from there, really. You know, Sittingbourne was was the kind of club that I was playing for at the time, and I, I, I'd come back and play for them every now and again during those first couple of years that I was I was in the army. But uh, it really started just to kick off once I, I joined the army. Really, to be fair, I mean, it was just it was just a whirlwind of ten years. You know, at the time then, the military was. Well, just the army, I think, was around about 120,000 strong, and they were able to allow, you know, soldiers to do soldiering and the business that they needed to do, and also at the same time, you know, if sportsmen excelled, they were selected to represent the the British army and the British military in combined services and travel the world really promoting whatever sport that they w- were excelling in, and obviously, you know, you've got. You got a lot of the core, you know, the rugby. The rugby was was massive in the British Army, and they kind of, you know, were able to field players within the England side. And um, you know, athletics again was was huge, and you'd get a lot of athletes coming out of the of the army or the either the military and and representing Great Britain. So it was it was very big through the, I suppose, the the mid eighties into the early nineties that. You know, if you were if you're good at sport, then you you kind of you had the best of both worlds. So yeah, from from the early ages, yeah, so from when I was 16 all the way through. So the accolade of playing for the army, one of the young youngest to play for the army senior side, represented the army army youth for two years, and in the second season of the army youth, I also started. I was involved in the in the senior squad, and uh, so that would have been around about 80, 89 all the way through till I left in 96. Did you do tours abroad as well? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it wasn't as as bad as it has been over the last, well, I say it's been it's been relatively quiet in comparison to things that, that went on from the late 90s through to the kind of mid-noughties, kind of 2012 to up to about 2015, I suppose. But but that, that period, that 20-year period, kind of, yeah, I, I'd, I'd, um, I was out, and um, and working in in um, Civvy Street during that period, but from when I was in, I went over to Bosnia a couple of times and down to the Falklands for a for a tour. But um, 
that's that's kind of as much as I saw from a um, from a from a from a military point of view. Three tours, yeah. Croatia with United Nations, Bosnia with um, uh, with NATO, and and a and a and a tour down to the Falklands to man a radio station for uh, six months. So my my role in I was in the Royal Signals basically, and uh, so I represented the Royal Signals at football. I represented the Army, youth, Army seniors, combined services. So they're obviously Army, Navy, Air Force, um, both in youth and seniors as well. So I went, I went playing football was completely different. I was Belgium, Germany, Holland, France, Thailand, Hong Kong. Yeah, so I I had uh, I was I was very lucky. You and, must have played uh, against some good side. Yeah, um, you know I'd <laughs> I should have done more research before we popped popped on, but um, there were some there were some names that represented obviously uh, Belgium and um uh, and Holland at that time because they've got they have national service so the likes of Edgar Davids and Shifo were involved in in their squads back then you don't realize you don't think about it at the time you just play the games and yeah. you know we it, it was the old it's the oldest european cup competition you look look it up the kentish cup the kentish cup is held between the british military the dutch and the belgians when i was a when I was playing, but the, the French are also involved as well, uh, and those are the kind of the four nations that, re- that that play in that cup competition. And then, you know, I went, we went on to win that while I was while I was playing, which was good. And um, yeah, I mean, it was a whirlwind. It really was. You know, one day I will sit down and go through some programs and, and look through it properly, and 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 appre- really appreciate kind of you know the times that we had. But that's where I, that's where I probably learnt how to play football really. You know, there's lots of people that I could, I could name that have, you know, pushed me in the right direction. I suppose in coaching and 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 learning the game. You know, I'm just privileged to be amongst those those types of people, and you know, see them. You know, to go on and do what they've done in their career has been, well, yeah, it's been. You know, Mike from Mike Taylor was the goalkeeper that I played alongside for a number of years. Who you know went on to represent. His country, yeah. I think he's at maybe at Warsaw now. As Lee, Lee Bradbury was another one who played for, I don't know, maybe, I don't know, did he play 500 league games across the board with Portsmouth, Man City? And he was he was outstanding. I mean, this is, it was just for me, it was amazing. It was, and I, was, I was in awe of um, actually being involved in, in teams that I was involved in. You know, Joe, Joe Roach was, who was at Bournemouth for a number of years as the, and I think he's still there, actually, as the as the academy head coach. But um, you know, he was he was he he just made me the player that I was, I suppose. And and all the other players that were around at that time, the senior players that I've kind of you know that no one would really know or hear of. But you always look back at, at those types of players and you think you know that's where I learned how to play. Really, you know, I've got some really yeah, I can't. They're just, uh, you know, great people for me, really. But I mean, that really just helped, you know, where I got to from a civilian perspective in playing football. You know, a guy called Alan Alan Higgins and a guy called Terry Knight and another guy called Stan Gould. Stan Gould was a was a colonel. He was around when I was in the army youth. He was the set. He was the manager at the time, and his input into my my game and the way that I approached it 
and not just for me but for all the boys as well you know there are things that you remember and I you know like I say back then 16 17 years old and um, you know I've brought <laughs> I bring that I bring things that he he did back then I bring them into the game now to develop and, and get kids to you know understand themselves and I've been in I've been in adult changing rooms and I've I've got <laughs> I've got people if you ask you know some people to uh you know it's how it's like you said just a minute ago how do you get how do you get a group of people to be together as a team that individually perform what are the things that you want to get out of them to be able to do that over a certain period of time and you don't want to you know in a changing room you don't want to kind of get people going too early because then you might miss the boat when you're out on the pitch and it's all about kind of that motivational stuff as well that you you need to you need to bring into people and one of the things that he taught us as young kids back then was our you know finding our inner self as well and uh, and he and he did that in in spades really and you know there's other guys have that kind of hierarchy as well it's the same as you do in 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 all the civilian clubs you know you've got a chairman and people like that that kind of manage the club and obviously the army had that as well you know you had your affiliation to the fa you had a chairman and those chairmen change every two years the chairman has to has to move out and it's just a role that the the officers generally take on alongside of their their normal kind of day-to-day routine and there was one officer that was the chairman at the time and um he was he was an unbelievable bloke and his nickname i won't talk about his him personally but his nickname was he was given the nickname of Darth Vader he was that he was tall and he had a gravelly voice and he was um at the time he was a uh, he was CO in charge of a unit and also he was in he was our chairman and he came to one of the, of the games that we were playing the arm I think it was army navy army RAF something like that I'm not too sure now and he went round each individual one of us in the change rooms just before the kickoff and asked us whether or not we had a an, an what our inner roar was have you got an inner roar Tony what do you mean a roar yeah, there is. <laughs> yeah. So you can imagine that in a, <laughs> in, a in a changing room, every player going round, <laughs> and I've done that. I've lost count how many times I've done that now. And I've, you know, where I've been a captain or I've been the manager or been the coach. I'm sure I've probably done it when I was at Whitstable playing with the players that we were playing with there. I mean, Andy Keir, you know, he's seen me do it numerous times. Like me and him have obviously done quite a lot together over the years with the kids around the local area. There'll be kids in this, you know, that potentially may listen to this and go, yeah, I remember when Jimmy asked me to do that. But, it, you know, things like that do stick with you because those are the kind of things that, you know, actually internally get you motivated. Have you got that in you? Have you got that? It's not a desire, I suppose, but it's more of a... Passion? Yeah, passion, but it also shows, you know, that you're not afraid of showing, showing yourself, showing and being emotion. brave to be able to do that, you know. And some people don't, and we get that, and they have their ways of doing things, and you know you have to leave them to do that. And it is, it, you know, it is for me, you know, the psychology and aspect of football nowadays is is huge, is massive. I I I still I that's how I I enjoy those kind of ways of doing things, and it sounds to me as if you do as well, Tony, with your role. I do, I do. <laughs> yeah, my wife and I we we. She's a counsellor. She runs a counselling service. She's she's been very very successful at it. 
However, she had no intentions at all of being in business. She just wanted to be a counsellor. And circumstances turned her another way. And she has found her inner self. And she's been phenomenally successful. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. quite incredible. Really amazing. It is, it is fascinating. I, I mean, it is one thing that I'd really do, you know, I, I'd like to think, I mean, I'm not, I'm not educated in, in that in any way at all. I mean, I've, you know, I've done my apprenticeship in telecommunications and engineering and data communications later on in my life. But from a, from that aspect, the only kind of stuff that I've learned through that is, you know, inner internal kind of, you know, training courses you might go in, in, in your, in your working life. And also the, the kind of courses that you get with doing your FA coaching badges, yeah. but it is, it, I, you know, I really do believe in it. And I think it is, it is fundamental really for, you know, for me, again, I, I kind of alluded to it earlier and it's always been about developing the children and the kids that are, that are playing now, not just in football terms, but in life, life skills really. And, you know, hopefully kind of, I've given that back to as many kids as I've you know, been able to coach over the years and hopefully they've kind of enjoyed my, my way of doing things. And I'm sure there'll be players out there, I'm sure there's loads of players out there talking or, you know, end up listening to this and be saying, oh God, what is he coach them? But, um, you know, for the ones that really do know me, they they will understand what I, what I you know, want to achieve from a coaching perspective now, even though, you know, I was completely different, I suppose, as a player. Well, Jimmy, um, I think we're going to have to call a halt there and we're going to do part two. So if you don't mind, <laughs> okay. we'll, uh, we'll just pause for a moment and uh, I'll just say to everyone, well, it's going to be a bit of a roller coaster. this one. Jim started off talking, talking about his youth. He's now uh, regressed a bit and gone back through the army days and talked in depth about his uh, psychology to do with uh, coaching, which I find fascinating. And I'm sure you all will. From me here at Bellman Banter and Jim on the other end of a phone, uh, we'll say goodbye, but... Hang around because part two is coming up. Many thanks, Tony. Thank you. Whitstable Town Football Club's main sponsor is Fibertech UK Limited. They are providers of optical fibre services to the telecoms industry, specialising in optical fibre provision, local and long haul. We offer a full turnkey solution to our clients throughout London and the south of England. Contact us through the website for more details. Your host, Tony Rouse, every week on Belmont Banter. For news about local football in Kent and beyond. I do hope that you've enjoyed today's episode of Belmont Banter. Don't forget there's a new episode out every week which comes out on a Sunday night, early Monday morning. And you can leave your suggestions for a guest to invite at the end. And leave a like and don't forget to pass it on to all your mates. Cheers. <laughs>